right, Father Harmon, we are halfway through Lent almost. Is that right? Halfway through? I mean, we're on the third Sunday, I guess, so, yeah. Well, second Sunday. Third I... Sunday. <laughs> hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, third Sunday in Lent, what are you thinking? How was your second I Sunday? I am thinking that it's going well. Uh, second Sunday was good. I So, here's the thing. I had, I had a thought, mm-hmm. Father. Remember how last week I mentioned that I don't really like how we we speak of God testing Abraham like to do such a ridiculous thing or something like that? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've changed my mind. I think I've changed my <laughs> mind on that. All right. Tell me more. Well, because it's not an I, easy reading. It's not an easy reading. And I think that's exactly the point. Like, mm-hmm. are we willing to go to the bitter end for the Lord? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I don't think it's unfair for God to expect that from us. Hmm. To sacrifice everything, to go yeah. to the extreme, to the unlogical. Yeah. 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 And it's it's hard. This mm-hmm. is a hard life. And I think again, I think that's the point of having hard readings like that. And quite frankly, hard readings like we have for this week. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, there's certainly a gut punch with that reading from Abraham uh and it's like Jesus, what we're going to see in the third week. Like, you're right. There, there's a gut punch element. And that's great. You're right. Like, with the readings, the scriptures should be a double-edged sword. Like, they should very much challenge us and cut deep, you know? <laughs> and they, yeah. They, um, I, I mean, I did, I did find that it proved a little bit difficult with the readings for the second Sunday to find, and I think this was reflected in our conversation last week, to find a thread. Um and I think that you're right. Like you could focus on that meta point of like, this is a gut punch set of readings. Um, but still, like I struggled a little bit in preparing my homily to find that thread. And maybe I was trying to force a little bit, like trying to find a thread between the gospel and the first reading, which I frankly am also feeling a little bit with the readings coming up for the third Sunday. Is like, why are yeah. these readings paired together? Like what logical well, I mean, connection could you I wonder... find, you know? You know, I wonder if this is a if this is an um, if this is the case of us overly spiritualizing these things. Like you, you say this all the time. Let's take it at face value. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What What is God asking us to do right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And are we willing to do it? Right. So, like, in well, the case of... you see, it depends on what you mean. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Are right. you willing to do it? <laughs> well, I mean, hey, that's pretty controversial. If you take the reading from Genesis uh, at face value, I mean, like. <laughs> he's asking him to sacrifice his son, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, it's tough. I I um, I um, didn't skirt the reading. Uh, I I decided when I was preparing the homily, I realized uh, that I ended up preaching twice this weekend, which was great because it's always good practice for me to repeat my homily and to see how it goes the second time. Um, and it's usually very surprising how similar or different it becomes. But anyway, I found that like the thread that I ended up look like finding that I was wanting in our conversation last week, I ended up finding it um, in the like in the setting of the two readings. Both of them take place on mountains, so mm-hmm. I, I started preaching about how we had uh, the first big homily was on ashes, and then we had one on desert. Now we can have this other image of the spiritual life, which is ascending the interior mountain. And so I spoke about that and how God calls us during Lent to sacrifice on the one hand, like Abraham, 
on the spiritual mountain and then also to pray like the disciples did on Mount Tabor, you know, in, in the presence of God's divinity. Um, so anyway, so that was kind of my homily and trying to, to preach a little bit about Lent. Yeah. And it, where the punchline was for me was how the Gospels end with another mountain, which is Mount Calvary, right? And so mm -hmm. how all of this is aiming towards death. And so the, the thesis statement of my homily was uh, the Christian life and Lent as a microcosm of that is a preparation for death. And to ascend that final mountain, like, are you learning the sacrifice and learning to pray? Because when it all said and done, you're going to be asked <laughs> to sacrifice everything. Yeah. And will you be willing and able to do that? You know? Yeah, but you know, another interesting point to that is we liked we like to talk. I think we like to talk about Lent as being just this the season of darkness. There's no you know it's hopeless in a lot of ways. Like it's just about suffering, blah blah blah. And yet here we have the second Sunday of Lent, and Jesus shows us his divine nature. Like there is light even right. even here. Right. right. So hope in that. Do what you've got to do. Sure. But you, but you are not abandoned. Here's what's curious, though. Uh, <laughs> when they're on Mount Tabor, it's covered in clouds. Like, it's dark. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But it's interesting, like, in to your point, like, in the midst of that darkness, because Lent is a time of removing stuff, what shines through when you remove all of that stuff is God's glory, uh, Boom. His light, you know? Um, yep. Anyway. Uh, well, good. Hey, so third Sunday, uh, like I mentioned, I'm struggling a little bit with finding a thread, and... I realize this is the first time that we are recording uh, these readings without you telling me that you're doing the scrutiny readings. <laughs> That's right. Well, last, I mean, last year was year A, so everybody oh. was doing the scrutiny readings. <laughs> right. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the year before you did scrutiny, I think. Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. So we are not, and I think the year before that, I did scrutinies as well. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think there is an interesting when we take a, a step back and look at especially what happened last week with um, the transfiguration and with the testing of Abraham, and then this week with the commandments and Jesus um, cleansing the temple, I think we, ca we cannot read commandments and cleansing without understanding who Jesus is. Hmm. Because, I mean, and we see this in our, in our church, in our, you know, Christianity at large, people want to boil it down to just a system of rules, unlike a system of ethics. Right. And right. it just really isn't that <laughs> because we forget, I think, well, hopefully that's, maybe it's a little too harsh to say we forget about Jesus's divinity, but like, that's, that's it. That's the encounter with the living Christ is what it means to be a Christian. Right. And all of these other yeah. things are important. Like, mm -hmm. and that's why they're here. That's why we're looking at it. But we've got to start with Jesus is God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, totally. So how are you seeing that with these readings? Like, so that the, <clears throat> like with the, uh, the commandments, it's not just a rule book of ethics, yeah. but yeah. it's more. And this, yeah. yeah. And the same with the casting, with the cleansing of the temple. Like, I mean, it's good to make sure that, you know, you're giving to Caesars what is Caesar and casting out the people that don't belong. But why? Like, why is this so important? Why is it important that that we that we keep the Sabbath? Why is it so important that we, you know, keep holy the temple? Because Jesus is God. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> and I gotta say, one thing that maybe that would help uh, in preaching this homily a little bit to that point is 
I think it's very telling how Jesus describes the temple. He he doesn't call it the temple. He calls it my father's house. And yeah. so, one, there's the relationship between the son and the father. So you're speaking of Jesus' divinity, and I think it's spot on. But also, like, what are the commandments for other than to sort of be, like, the house rules? You know, like, mm-hmm. if if you want to play in God's house, like, these are the <laughs> rules of the house. Take your shoes off when you come in and don't leave your elbows on the table. In other words, we're trying to enter into God's house, into his family, and Jesus is our elder brother in that, and he's showing us how to make holy our space within God's house where he's preparing a room for us. So right. kind of to your point is that Jesus isn't just, just telling us don't kill people because it's bad to yeah. kill. Well, it right. is bad to kill, but <laughs> it's also... But that's not why we do it. Yeah, it's also like we don't want to offend our father, and we're brothers and sisters precisely because we have one father, you know? Um so maybe you can go in that direction. Like the commandments are there, kind of what you're saying is to show us God's divinity in his son, but that through the son we're made sons and daughters of the father in his one house, um, which is kind of the whole point of it not being just a rule a rule book, you know, of ethics. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I find this this last line pretty interesting, and uh, or this l- last space. While he was in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover, Many began to believe in his name when they saw what the signs he was doing, but Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not mm. need anyone to test about testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. Yeah. What does that mean? No idea. No idea. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very weird. Um, like most things in the scriptures, I, I certainly, and this is actually one of the good things about having the, the lectionary just not be a continuous chunk of a like a chapter out of a one of the books is that it stops in the strangest places where you're like yeah. have i ever read this before like <laughs> yeah and probably but just i never really stopped and focused on that last line you know which is striking he himself understood it well um presumably he's referring to human nature um yeah. which you can do a whole connection there with the commandments like mm-hmm. thomas aquinas would call the commandments part of the natural law and yeah, well, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, it seems like there's an interesting connection with what you're saying, uh, that he is kind of p- p- placing this in terms of who we are as human beings and how we relate to the Father mm-hmm. through yeah. himself, because he understands it well. Right, right. And so, yeah, I mean, he is ultimate. Well, okay, hold on. So, like, we have the Ten <laughs> Commandments at the at the beginning. So. Jesus is the new lawgiver. We just had him on Mount Tabor be the fulfillment of Moses and Elijah. Right. He is the one that is the new lawgiver on Mount Tabor, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and he is the one that knows us well. So like the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, mm. they're the one, they're his law because he knows what we need to be happy. He knows yeah. us, you know? It's yeah. not it's not don't commit adultery because adultery is wrong. Well, it is wrong, but it's also going to make you miserable because... <laughs> He knows you, you know, sin right. actually right. makes you like feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's not good funny. for you. Funny yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's uh, one of the really fun parts about fun. I say fun, uh, about our reading from St. Paul that, you know, we like to talk about how the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength because we keep trying to do this, play this game of like, well, Here's here's how I will be strong, and this is how I will destroy how I will, I will destroy my enemies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like no man, you are way off base here. <laughs> right, 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 uh, right, right. You know, Jews demanded signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. Well, here we are, and this is kind of what I was just saying. This is it, Christ crucified, mm-hmm. and 
for those that don't believe, it is a stumbling block and foolishness. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the whole homily is in this. I mean, in the second reading, it's a great summary of what we've been talking about. You can link the first reading as the wisdom of God, like the, the yeah. law. Uh, but that wisdom of God, paradoxically, is tied to destroy this temple. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, the crucifixion, and so. That's the that's the linchpin here is the wisdom of God is not human wisdom. And so if you want the commandments to make sense in your life, if you really want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and be a son of the Father, then follow the commandments, but they will lead you to Calvary. That's kind of a little bit of what I was preaching on today. Like you will end up dying. And will you die in 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 the in the Father's favor? Or will you die yeah. according yeah. to your own your own wisdom, you know, the wisdom of the world? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like the stakes are that high. And I guess that's maybe one way you could summarize this is like the stakes are high here. Like the, the commandments are not a bare minimum. Like they, they're holding you to a high standard and that standard yeah. is to be a son of the father. Yeah. You know, and that's an interesting way, again, looking, taking a step back and looking at Lent as a whole, like th- what else is this season for than realizing how high these stakes are mm-hmm. and what we are, what we individually right, literally right now, are called to be doing. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and it's so fascinating, you know, I hear this all the time and I say this all the time. Like, oh, well, this is this this lent uh is a time of you know, cuz we've been living lent this whole year, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So we don't really need to live lent. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Probably more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I say that kind of as an offhand comment, but I think it's kind of right. It's that, like, maybe we're now finally in a place where we can understand the value of loss and say, like, right. hmm, right. what have we, what has been taken from us? It is kind of a reminder of, like, the end of John's gospel. It's like, you, you go where you want now, but someday you'll go somewhere where you do not want to go, and you'll be bathed mm-hmm. and dressed for you, you know? It's like Lent of the last year with all the COVID stuff has made it clear that we are all not owners of everything. But now it's like, okay— you know that there's great value in having to experience that kind of loss because we've also discovered good things that we didn't know we had before, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Last week there was a reading. Uh, one of the first readings was from Esther, Queen Esther. Uh, and the, the, like the first line, I loved it so much. It said something like, and she cried out in her mortal anguish. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's like, this is such great imagery that we, you know, we don't talk that way anymore. I kind of right. wish that we did. Right. Um, right. But anyway, like I just, and it got me thinking like, can we say, uh, and then the, the gospel of that day was knock and the door will be open to you. Like literally that's all you have to do. Um, and so my point for that homily, and I think it may fit here as well is like, can we say once coronavirus is done, you know, in Texas, we just had this big storm. Once we're no longer feeling that mortal anguish, can we still cry out as if we were? Hmm. Yeah. Because we oftentimes only want to go to God when there's this tragedy going on. Hmm. Like think of all the times you yourself have prayed for health and for healing for people that are sick. Are you still going to do that when there's not a global pandemic? (laughs) Right. Right. No, fair enough. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I remember when nine eleven happened, like that following Sunday was filled. Yeah. You know, the churches were filled to the brim. And then, you know, a yeah. week and a half later, they were empty again. Um, yep. When tragedy strikes, and that's that's part of the wisdom of the cycle of the seasons of Lent and all, is that it's a good interruption. It's a good reminder. Um, 
but it's like hey like make this a permanent change you know mm-hmm. um what could end up happening is that like like the temple it can fall into into decay you know into it just becoming a marketplace like how much of our faith life has become just kind of this marketplace of marketplace of ideas and being witty on twitter and having the right <laughs> things to say and giving up uh social media again this year or giving up chocolate again this year it's like we're in this marketplace of kind of christian superficiality you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like when are we going to finally just put our big boy pants on and become saints you know yeah uh, yeah well, I mean, it's, it is fascinating that you're making that parallel. And it's not, this isn't a new thing that we are, that I, and I think you're right, that we kind of find ourselves today in a modern day marketplace in the temple that Jesus <laughs> needs mm-hmm. to come out and cleanse. Uh, but, we've, but we've seen that before in our history. I mean, the Reformation, in a sense, was sparked by something very similar. Right, right. Um, where it just becomes this game that we play. It's like, mm, no. Yeah, yeah, and I th- and I think that makes again going back to our first reading, like that line that, f- and I want to talk about this that the the alternate the shorter version cuts out, for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. Mm. Like, it's interesting that we cut that out in the shorter version because I think that's something that we can forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like because we we don't want to think about it. We don't want we want to have our marketplace. We want to have all the different things that we uh, well that we like. Um, and we don't want to think about, no, actually this is, this is about the Lord, your God. Yeah. Hey, and your think, relationship yeah. to the crucified Christ. Dude, I think I have my homily. I think I got it. Uh, if, if I focus on marketplace as the idea and it's like how much of, a, how much of our life, uh, do we treat like a marketplace and think about how we even talk about Lent, what are you going to give up this Lent so you can enjoy Boom. the resurrection more? It's yep, like, yep. what is this monetary it's a language? Transa- yeah, it's a transaction. <laughs> it's like, oh, I gave up social media so that when I get to, you know, the, the resurrection, I can indulge or, you know, I gave up sweets or whatever. Yeah. It's like, your faith life is not a marketplace. Like, God is calling yeah. you to be crucified, to become his son, to become his daughter. That's not a market exchange. That's conversion so like yep. we, we keep treating like we come to church and we deposit our hour and we're given the eucharist it's like that's not what this is like the eucharist is mm-hmm. not something you just grab and go it's not drive-through dining it's it's like this is your moment of true encounter are you ready to die after receiving the eucharist you know anyway i could harp on this but i think that might be a really good in you know with these readings. yeah for sure for sure i think you're onto something there um no i like that a lot oh there was one last thought maybe i could throw at you maybe that will help uh close this out for me too i i underlined this in the in the first reading which i thought was great is um so i will inflict punishment but then also i will bestow mercy but inflict punishment only for three or four generations but mercy down to the down to the thousandth like that's a really cool reversal like god will punish but he's also really full of mercy and his mercy abounds like a hundredfold you know Anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, the mercy, yeah, and and his mercy will endure forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Cool, man. Well, that's all I got. All right, pal. All right, man. Till next time. <laughs>